Welcome to the Gone Fishing Podcast, episode number 16. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss part two of the habit of saving, a beginner's guide to making your money work for you. And I'll be teaching you how to create a habit of saving and why it's one of the most important habits you can develop. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Gone Fishing Podcast. Join Ron Bouchard as he casts a wide net sharing his philosophy of life, business, and success, and goes fishing for wisdom in interviews with other entrepreneurs, authors, and thought leaders. You'll hear their stories of triumph and tribulation. If you're an aspiring entrepreneur trying to succeed outside the confines of the current of social expectation, bring the bait and join us for Gone Fishing. Welcome to the Gone Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bouchard. Last week, I told you no one may succeed in life without saving money, and that there's no exception to this rule, and no one may escape it. So this week, I'm going to be giving you the particulars about developing habit of saving. So let's join the conversation again as I speak with Anna Silvera, a Waypoint Mastermind, about Anne Schreiber. Now, there's a story for, about a woman named, by the name of Anne Schreiber. She was 100 years old when she died in January of 1995. And for years, she lived in a tiny, run-down, rent-controlled studio apartment in Manhattan. The paint in the walls were peeling, and the old bookcases were lined. The walls were covered in dust, and rent was $400 a month. Can you believe it? Mm, wow. Now, Schreiber lived on Social Security in a small monthly pension, which she started receiving in 1943. And that's after she retired as an auditor for the Internal Revenue Service. She hadn't done very well with the IRS. Um, More specifically, the agent hadn't done right by her. Despite having a law degree and doing excellent work, she was never promoted. And when she retired at 51, she was making only $3,150 a year. Now, she was treated very, very shabbily, said Benjamin Clark, who knew her. Um, as everyone did. Um, she she really had to fend for herself in every way. It was really quite a struggle. Now, Schreiber was a model of thrift. She didn't spend money on herself. She didn't buy new furniture. It's the old pieces she owned became worn out. She didn't even subscribe to a newspaper. About once a week, she'd go to the library and read it. Imagine the surprise of Norman Lamb the president of Yashava University in New York City, when she found that Ann Schreiber, a little old lady who had never she had never heard of, who had never attended the university, left her in state to the university. And she said, when I saw the will, it was mind-blowing. Such an unexpected windfall. This woman had become a legend overnight. The estate of Ann Schreiber left that she left to uh, Yasuva University was worth $22 million. How in the world did a woman who had been retired for 50 years build an eight-figure fortune? Here's the answer. By the time she retired from the IRS in 1943, Ann Shriver had managed to save $5,000. She invested the money in stocks. By 1950, she made enough profit to buy 1,000 shares of a, of a, um, of a stock company then valued at $10,000. And she held on to the stock, letting its value build. 
Today, the original shares have split enough times to produce 120,000 shares worth $7.5 million. The secret of success was that she spent most of her life building her wealth. Whether her stock's values went up or down, she never sold it off. She was in for a long haul, the really long haul. When she earned dividends, which kept getting larger and larger, she invested them. She spent her whole life building, while other people worry that they might run out of funds before the end of their lives, the longer she lived, the wealthier she became. When it came to finances, she understood and she applied to have the saving. What do you think about that? That's amazing. That really is amazing. And then next, I'm going to be talking about what it is we need to do mm-hmm. to to create or to develop a habit of saving. Yep, like I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and still am. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think you do to develop a habit of saving? I think the first thing we need to do is we need to determine where we are. You know, what does your life look like financially? If you ask the average person how much they have in their bank account, do they really know to the penny? Can they tell you? No. The average person couldn't tell you, No. How about if I ask you how much you have in your wallet? Can you tell me? No, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I should know, but I don't know. No. <laughs> what if I would ask you where is your your um your cable bill from three months ago, uh, or your, your electric bill, or your car payment, or? What if I was looking for a specific bill from three months ago? Would you be able to tell me where it is? Now I would, yes, because I have that filed. And it took me a while to organize everything. It took me a long time because I was really overwhelmed and I didn't know where to start. And so looking at all of you know my, my payments and all my receipts, I just didn't even want to deal with that. So the first step is setting up a filing system. Mm -hmm. And the filing system is set up in three different categories. And I color code them. So it's the the green section, the red (laughs) section, and the blue section. And I also buy the tab folders, and I buy them in three different positions. So I buy the left ones, the right ones, and the middle ones. And in my left ones, all of my blue folders are the middle tabs. Mm -hmm. All of my red folders are the right tabs, and all of my green folders are the left tabs. So when I'm looking in the file cabinet, I can see, oh, these are all my, this is the left section, this is the right section, this is the, the blue section, and, uh, and the middle section, and these are the colors. And now the colors signify different things. A blue section is your master record section, and that's where you keep all of your important documents, burial plans, legal documents, wills, trusts, education records, you know, anything that's important, your renter's insurance policies, your health insurance policies, if you would, something would happen to you, what would the average person, what would your family members need to have? So you put it all in the blue section so they can grab the blue section and go. Mm-hmm. Um, important photos, religious certificates, marriage and divorce certificates, birth certificates, passports, alimony, driver's licenses. So you put them all in the blue section, and I go one step further, 
in the front of my blue section, I have a master record that has a list of all of the policy numbers and all the dates and all the amounts and passwords for all of the the stuff in that section. Right? Who the contact information is, who the contract person is. So if something actually happens to me, they can pull the file and say, okay, this is what what he had. Rather than having to dig through the boxes and boxes and boxes of paper that could be around. Not that there is boxes of paper around, but filing happens to be actually my least favorite thing in the whole entire world to do. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, I'd rather do almost anything than file. <laughs> when I worked in the real estate office, I had a box under my desk. And in the, the box, I would just take whatever I needed to file, and I'd stick it in the box. And once a month, I'd lock my door to my office. Mm-hmm. I'd grab a pot of coffee, <laughs> <laughs> and I would sit there with some soft music, and I'd file. And I tried to calm myself that way. Yeah. By being pacified with my coffee and with some soft, calming music, because I really despise it that much. Um <laughs> But I would despise it a lot more if I didn't have a place to put everything. I'd just be overwhelmed. If I didn't, you know, it's hard enough for me to have to, to and that's because I run businesses and because I run, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have the home files and then you have business files. And then my son, um, because he's medically involved, has tons and tons of files. And then my daughter has tons and tons of files because she's medically involved. So by the time we look at our house, it's just like, where the heck did all this paper come from? Yeah. And investments and bank statements and investment portfolios and retirement accounts and they just pile up. And if, unless you know how to organize them or unless you do organize them, they're just going to be a mess. They're going to be all over the place, and they're going to just turn into chaos. Now, another way you can do it is they they have um, those machines where you can just you know the, the neat desk I think they're called. They sit on your desk and you can take a a document as you get it in, stick it in the neat desk, and it um. And it it saves it for you. It scans yeah. it and saves it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. And it puts it right where it belongs. Um, it's a cool little nifty thing to have for those of us who don't want to file. Maybe I should. I have one. Maybe I should plug it in. Yeah. Maybe you should <laughs> use it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be helpful. Yes. It was given to me years ago as a gift, and it's been sitting in the box probably from 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> And the next step is the you you know the the red tabs are your income and expense tabs. Mm-hmm. So, what I do is I generally take a, a category, a main category like a savings, taxes, shelter, household, transportation, entertainment, insurance, debt, business, and education, and then I would take a file folder and label them all those, and I'd even give them numbers. And the numbers, so in my accounting software or anywhere I write it down, instead of having to write down um, savings account, I could just write the number, in my case, with savings, it's the number 20. So anywhere in my register, I have the number 20. It's because it, it symbolizes savings. If it's 10, it's wow. charity. You if do it's go taxes. In, yeah, you go in yeah. detail. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that also is. It gives me a good category, so then I can take all of the ones numbered 40, all my receipts with 40 on them, and I can lay them out and say, okay, great, these are all 40. This is how much I spent in this category. Yeah. And this is way too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to go that detail. Uh, as you know, I told you before, you 
the importance here is not to get overly complicated, but people like me, I like them overly complicated, apparently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I don't look at it as complicated. I look at there's a lot of work up front that you have to do to get this right. Mm-hmm. But after it's all done, it's very simple to maintain. Yeah. And you know where everything is. And then the green section, I, I have all my vehicle documents, my personal assets, my mutual funds, any investment properties, IRAs, CDs, mutual funds, personal loans, installment loans. So the actual loan documents for each one of these these um, assets and liabilities will be in, in um, the green section. It's just like my balance sheet. My balance sheet at the top of the ba- or financial statement has a um, income and expense statement. Anything that's in the income and expense statement on the top goes in my red folders. Anything at the bottom in the balance sheet portion of the financial statement goes in the green. So, Yep. It's the initial setup. Once yes. you have that setup, then it'll be easy to maintain. You have a home for everything. Yeah. Yep. And not on the kitchen counter. <laughs> <laughs> or in a drawer. Or in a box under there. my desk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm still working on mine. But it's getting better. And then, of course, and the last thing I need to, to make sure that I'm preparing for um, financial um, for habit of saving, the last thing I need to put in place is I need to understand my actual income statement my ba- and my balance sheet. So I need to gather all the information and I need to put them together to see what my report card is. See, a, a financial statement is a report card for adults. And unfortunately, most of us not only don't have a very good report card, mm-hmm. we don't even know what, how we grade. Yep. Most, so most people are an F. And, um, you know, I, I like to create a targeted spending plan. So after I figure out where I, want, where I am, how can I get myself to a point where how can I live within my means? Mm-hmm. How can I shave off? And it's a goal. So a targeted spending plan is not really something that people need to stress about. It's just, okay, if I'm spending $300 a month on groceries, is there a way, is that too much money or is that is that adequate? Yeah. But what if I'm spending $300 a month on entertainment and I'm spending $300 a month on groceries? Well, there's this discrepancy there that you shouldn't be spending $300 on entertainment mm-hmm. if your grocery bill is $300. Yeah. So you can choose to spend less in the entertainment area and put a target, what you think is reasonable for for each one of these categories, and try to get to that target every month. So it's just a a metric. It's a way to figure out where you want to aim at at arriving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just planning, too. I've been using a a grocery list now, and – this way, when I go there, I'm not buying stuff that I really don't need. So it's just been much easier for me. And I never used to do that. But now that I have a budget on my groceries, then it's just easier. I, like today, when I went grocery shopping, I had my list. And I didn't buy anything that wasn't on my list. I think if you go to the grocery store with a list 
in order to be able to do that, you need to have a schedule. See, I think people overcomplicate their food or the weekly food schedules. Mm-hmm. And I never understood it because people generally eat the same stuff. I mean, really, how, how many variations do you eat in a week? Mm-hmm. Do you have 60 different recipes you use all the time? No. How many do you use? I usually use maybe six, about six. Okay, and how many days in the week are there? Uh, well, we have, it's Monday through Sunday, so it's seven. So if you have six recipes, doesn't it make any sense? Does it make sense for you to set up a schedule mm-hmm. and that every week you have a night dedicated to one of those recipes? Or maybe not even that specific, maybe if you like have various pasta recipes. Mm-hmm. You have Wednesday night pasta night. In our house, it's Wednesday night spaghetti night. Mm-hmm. So every Wednesday, we have spaghetti. Every Friday, we have pizza. Well, I don't. My my kids do, but yeah. they like pizza. They look forward to it all week long, but they can only have it on, fri- on mm-hmm. Fridays. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have chicken, grilled chicken on Mondays. And Tuesday is, is I think we have... It's um, Mexican night, so we have tacos or fajitas mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something along those lines. And um, and then Thursday, I forget what we have on Thursdays. I think it's pork or something. But if you every week, if you do the same thing over and over again, when you go to the grocery store, you know you need those things. Yeah. Yep. And it makes it so much easier. And you can use the same list over and over again. If if you really are boring and you have five or seven recipes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Literally, not not even you know having variety. You just take the same list. You know, you used the last one last week when you made it. Go back to the grocery store, and you can price it that way. Um, it's much easier to handle it that way. I do the same thing with. I give my kids a lunch um, menu, so they knew every day what what lunch is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my wife goes to the grocery store. She'll say, "Do we have any turkey?" Because t- Tuesdays are turkey and bacon sandwiches. So they have turkey, bacon, and turkey with with mayonnaise. Yeah. And they they love it. Peanut butter jelly Mondays. <laughs> the chicken yeah. nuggets Wednesdays. So, and we use the Purdue chicken. But we, my wife will say, well, what do we need? I'll say, well, we have that. I'll go right down. I'll look at the calendar. I'll say, we have that, 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 mm-hmm. that for this week. I need this. And it works out really well. Yeah. Yep. And the key is planning. You know, uh, like my girlfriend, she, she plans ahead and she'll go through the flyers and she'll check to see what's on sale and so whatever is on sale that's what she's gonna get and that week they'll have it so and she's she's a planner which I should um I I should learn more um with her but anyway she just that's she's always been like that she's been a planner plan to save money, um, even, you know, her schedule. When she goes grocery shopping, she goes grocery shopping every Thursday. And that's her her schedule. But she follows follows her schedule all the time. And sometimes if you just go with the flow and whatever, I think that's when you can kind of lose control and you're not and you, and you don't have a plan. So I've been seeing that people that are planners and 
they they know okay this is what i want and they have a goal and that that's an area that i struggled with because i didn't have a goal because i never had a plan so i just went along with it and so now it's reflecting my life where i am because i didn't have a plan so i think that one of the issues is people think that you have to do it all at once. You don't. A habit starts very slow, and you start changing things a little bit at a time. When I wanted to lose weight, I had to change one of the habits. And the habit I chose was to change all my dinners. So I started recipe right by recipe, changing what we were going to eat. So even our chicken recipes, the chicken recipes I make now are healthy. They're just mm-hmm. grilled chicken with, with seasonings. And they're very tasty. But they're also very good for you. They're very low in calories. And um, even the pork we have is very low in calories. Mm-hmm. So when you start exchanging things that are better for you, um, that's, that's a nice habit. Yeah. Yep. You start shifting over to a healthier lifestyle and you start changing a habit slowly by surely. Just like this, you're not going to just go today and start ripping apart your entire house and then do, implementing every single one of these mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you'll just give yourself a a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is a habit. And yeah. the habit of savings. I'm, I started with, right now, I only have three envelopes, cash envelopes. Because I just didn't want to be overwhelmed. So I'm creating a habit of savings and I'm doing the cash envelopes. So I have grocery, gas, and spending money. And right now that works for me. And the bottom line is just saving money and and creating that habit of saving. And however you get there, you get there. I mean, the end goal here is not, well, I didn't follow the system correctly. Mm -hmm. No. The end goal is, did I save money that I needed, that I wanted? You're in charge. Just because you're following a system doesn't take you out of being in control. Mm -hmm. In fact, the biggest mistake people make is that they're not in control of their lives. They need to be in control. They need to be the one who makes all the decisions, even the tough ones. Now, they can listen to somebody's advice, but at the end of the day, they're the ones responsible for their lives. So they should be the one making the decisions. Now, that's a good segue into our next thing, which is number two, um, how to develop a habit of saving. In addition to creating a filing system, you need to start actually saving money. Yes. Yep. So so the recommendation is if you are a person who's working for somebody else, you want to be able to work up to five different piggy banks and putting something in each one of the piggy banks every single day mm-hmm. or every single week. And it doesn't matter what it is, but you should be doing it systematically. And you shouldn't miss. You should be very consistent. And most people, that's intimidating. Why am I going to take five? And let me go a step further. It can be very intimidating because ultimately you want to be spending half of the money you earn on your expenses. And the other half should be in savings. Mm -hmm. Now, People who hear that are going to say, that's impossible. And at the beginning, it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be very probable you're going to be able to do that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about building up to that ideal. 
So at the beginning, maybe you only can put a dollar in each one of the five piggy banks. Or we just said at the beginning of this, you can do five a day, or a dollar, uh, $4 a day, right? Mm-hmm. Or five, you could probably do $5 a day, which is $1,800, I think, a, a year. Yeah. So you do five, five a day, and that's a dollar each piggy bank per day. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Instead of buying coffee at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, make coffee at home. You know, you'll save that whatever three, five dollars and put it in the jar. And now there's a reason why we have five. And if you are a small business owner, you need to have six. And the sixth is for taxes. So automatically off the top, any any money you make, you need to take a portion out for taxes, and you should, you know, um, put the amount equivalent to your tax bracket inside the jar first. Yeah. yeah, but a lot of people don't do that. And I know a lot of real estate agents that have gotten themselves in trouble because they, they didn't do that. Right, so that's a priority. That's not even a... Um, that's not even a question. You have to put I know, that, but that, it's, that away. <laughs> I know, but it's it's amazing how many how many people don't they they forget, you know, that they don't have to pay taxes or whatever it is. But then at the end of the year, it's like Uncle Sam wants his tax taxes, so you have to pay. But Especially that's real thing. estate. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. We're not educated with that, you know? I mean, I started saving that because my girlfriend was like, don't forget, you know, you're, you're self-employed. You have, to, you have to put taxes away. You have to put money away for taxes. So, um, and she was on top of that. And that was one thing that I, I did, made sure that, okay, I have enough money to pay my taxes at the end of the year. So these taxes, the reason why we have five accounts, um, not including the tax account, mm-hmm. is each one of the accounts has a very specific purpose. And consider like a budget. So your first one is going to be your charity, your charity account. Yes. Now, not everybody needs to have a charity account if they don't want it. That's obviously optional. Which means that you can only do, you only need to have four, but I like to have a charity account, and the reason being yeah. when when the um, friendly neighborhood um, solicitor calls me on the phone and said you want to give money to the firefighters or to the police or whatever such organization they want to get money from me for, I can look into my account balance and say nope, I'm sorry, I don't have any more money this month, right? Because people mm-hmm. say that, but they have no metric. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just make it up. Yeah. So if you're one who likes to give money to charity, that's great. But you shouldn't be giving nonstop to charity either. So everything needs to be in moderation. And mm-hmm. if you have a charity account, which is, represents about 10% of your income, then you can give that money. But it doesn't have yeah. to be 10%. That's just a guideline. Each one of these accounts represent 10% of the income. And the other 50% is is the um the money for expenditures. So you have a mm-hmm. so if you take your money and divide it, you have to divide it six ways, not including taxes. Number one way is fifty percent of your income goes into a batch that is strictly for your monthly expenses. Another ten percent goes to your charity account. 
Another 10% goes to what we call a stormy weather account, long-term savings, rainy day, um, whatever you want to name it. But it's that account is where you keep the six-month savings. So Mm -hmm. should something happen, you are prepared and you can last six months. Then the next one is a financial freedom account or your investment account. And that's the money you're going to accumulate for your retirement. Another 10%, it goes to your education. Mm -hmm. So that if you want to take that course, if you want to be able to get that book or that seminar, you have money in the account to increase your your knowledge about financial education, financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And you should invest in financial literacy because you were never taught it when you were young. Yeah. And then the last of it should be your spending account. Now, this is an account that everybody should love because it's your due debt account. This is the account where you don't have to deprive yourself of the pair of shoes mm-hmm. or grocery, uh, go shopping at the store. But it gives you a budget. You know, you only have this much money to buy the doodads with. Yeah. And that way you're not feeling guilty about the doodads. Now, me, I'd be using that money for takeout. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't go shopping for for clothes very often. I'm a guy. I mean, I I don't go, what do I need to go shop for clothes? (laughs) (laughs) So that's just some guidelines as far as um, what you should be working up to. But you said you you have three envelopes. And that works for you. Yeah, it, it works for me now. Yeah, because I just need it to be simple. And all I want to do is I want to create a, a habit of having control of my money. And so I go grocery shopping. And that's something that I wanted to have more control because I really didn't know how much money I was spending. And it was like, oh, I don't know. You know, if someone would say, well, how much money do you spend a month? I'd be like, "Mm, I have no idea. So what I had to do is I had to backtrack and see, okay, how much money have I been spending? And so now I'm like, okay, this is how much money I spend um, on groceries and then gas and, and spending money. So it's it's working for me. And then I also have a simple spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet that's working for me right now. And I have it set up the way I understand it. And I know that eventually I'm going to tweak it and make it a little bit better. But for me, right now, it works. And that's I'm just doing it gradually and getting comfortable about the whole financial end of my life here, my financial um, status, I guess you, you want to say, but just control. So the next phase that we need to look at is controlling your expenses. And we need to control expenses by figuring out where the money's going, and that's what we should have done in the first the first sta- step. But finding out what's realistic. You know, people say I can't I can't save money. Well sure you can. Sure you can. You can find five dollars a day. Mm-hmm. You can consolidate your debt. Mm-hmm. 
you know, lower, you put it on a credit card that has a lower interest rate. You know, most people spend double the amount of money for their items that they bought on their credit card mm-hmm. when they factor in interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you might go to the store and buy, you know, that that um, computer that you have to have right now, even though you have one at home that works perfectly well, but might be a little dinged up. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time it's all said and done, you're going to end up spending more double for that yeah. laptop. Yeah. That you put in credit, whereas if you had put it in the savings account, and then when the time came when you when you actually needed a laptop, you could have paid cash and paid half. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. But um, people don't think that way. That no. that's the problem, Ron. It's people are not thinking that way because they're not educated on when it comes to money, and they just it's easy plastic. You know, I think that's the way the society is, is just putting everything on plastic and you don't, and you don't think, you know, you're not thinking, Oh gee, I just paid double for that computer. Instead, if I had saved money, put it aside. And then when I have the money, I'll, I'll buy it. So you can Come up with a lot of money, though. To think about you were talking earlier about going to the grocery store with coupons. Mm-hmm. Is it really a saving? If if you let's say you have a budget in your envelope of three hundred dollars for the grocery store this week, yeah, and you go to the grocery store and you spend three hundred dollars. However, you also gave them coupons, so you had a savings of twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. She went to the store. You bought everything you needed with that three hundred dollars but you got $25 back in savings. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that $25? You're probably going to be spending on, on something that really you should just put that $25 towards another account, you know, the rainy day account or whatever account that you want. But I think the average person will say, okay, I saved $25 by saving with these coupons, but then they'll spend it on something else and they they have no idea where they spend it on. And that's a problem because they really didn't save it then, did they? No, they didn't save it. So you spend all this time, you know, going through the coupons, cutting them and doing all this stuff, but in the end, you're not really saving it. But if you, if you plan and say, okay, $25 of coupons now this additional $25, I'm going to put it towards my rainy day account. Now you are saving. Um, another thing you can do is you can save on some gas. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's There are plenty of apps on your cell phone where you can go on and find the cheapest gas in your area. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do is look it up. So, okay, this is the cheapest gas today and drive to that gas station to fill up. Mm-hmm. And if you have an envelope for for gas, that it's going to make that envelope go a lot fa- a lot further, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, I'd like to mention is with gas, if you pay cash, some gas stations you can get it for cheaper instead of putting it on your credit card. That's true because credit cards charge a lot of fees. I mean, Correct. anytime you want, you can use cash. 
cash is always going to be a better scenario. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> but a lot of gas stations are doing that now. And it's, you know, it can be like five cents, which it's five cents cheaper to purchase it with cash. So that's a savings right there. Another thing you can do is move into a less expensive house or apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, most people buy more house than they could possibly ever use. Right, and they end up being a slave to their house. Yeah. What if you moved into a house that was a little less expensive? Still a nice neighborhood, but a little bit smaller, which will give you less to clean. And also, you're not going to be able to show it off to your friends as much. (laughs) (laughs) But in 30 years, when you have a retirement budget that far exceeds anything your friends have, then that's when you can celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think the key of all of this here is the planning. You know, it's just to plan and have goals. And I know for myself, uh, I've never been really a planner. And so now I'm starting to. And I'm starting to see that I'm having more control over my money and control of my life and just planning it. And and I think most people just don't want to take the time in which it's really not that much time to plan, but you just have to create that habit of planning ahead. Right, like that schedule for their food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the food schedule can do a lot for you because you can – not only does it tell you what you're going to be eating and, and control your diet, it also controls the amount of money you're going to be spending. So you, you can predict what your grocery bill is going to be because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you're buying the same thing all the time, and it doesn't mean you have to keep it exactly the same. A pasta is pasta is pasta. Yeah. So you can switch it up a little bit, have American chop suey tonight, and you can have spaghetti meatballs next week, or maybe you can have lasagna the following week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can switch it up. And like, I said, it, whatever is on sale, maybe, you know, that, that week you can have, you know, uh, steak or steak tips, you know, if they're on sale. So you can definitely plan it. But that's the thing. You have to have a plan. You, ha- you have to have a list and just follow, follow that plan. Because if you go in there like I used to and just kind of go, okay, whatever, not really sure what I'm going to have for, you know, supper this week and just buy whatever is there, then that that's when you spend more money than you actually have to. And most people spend about 12.4% of their money every month on food. And that's yeah. grocery shopping. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. And 34% on the housing bill. Mm-hmm. So that's the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Another 10% on insurances. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 1.9% on education. Yeah. Um, 5.7% on health care. 1.2% on personal care. Mm-hmm. 17.6% on transportation. So if you know those things, entertainment is like 5.4%. You can see how well you're doing compared to other people. 
and try to cut that down. You know, what is the metric that you're using to determine how much you're spending on a house? What the bank tells you you can buy? Or what you really should be buying a house? Yeah, yep. I see people in real estate buy over buy all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch it on TV. I know your budget is you said you want to spend $250,000, but here's one that's 265000 270000 Yeah. And that sounds real cute now, but if you factor in the interest over 30 years, you just added quite a bit of extra money to your, to that property. It's just not the $15,000 or the $20,000. That plus interest is... You know, it could be forty, fifty thousand dollars extra. Yeah. And what about your cell phone bill? So cell phone bills are outrageous. So most people spend two hundred fifty dollars a month on on cell phone bills. Yeah. So cutting down the cell phone bill, either go into one cell phone or switch your plan. There's there's a lot of new plans and new carriers that have the same network but have cheaper monthly payments. Mm-hmm. It might not be the brand name um, company, but they're using the same exact network, and they have the same phones by the same manufacturer. And what about cable? How many people can cut down on cable? I mean, I know in my house I have cable. My cable bill <laughs> last month was $280. Plus we have Netflix and Hulu and Disney+. Plus. And Prime. Mm-hmm. And guess how many of those extra I watch? <laughs> I know, maybe one, <laughs> two. <laughs> None. None. Yeah. None. Yeah. I, yeah. I got I got the Disney Plus for the Mandalorian when the Mandalorian came out. And the Mandalorian came out. It was ten episodes. It was I think it was ten episodes. It might have been eight. And it was over. And that was almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't watched anything on that thing since. And my children don't watch it, even though it's on all of the t- devices, all the TVs. Yeah. So why are we spending money on these things, just like your your, um, your storage unit, that we don't use? Yeah. Yep. You know, if if, if I, I could have bought the Mandalorian for less than it cost me for the uh, – for the year I've been I've been spending monthly bills. And I, I could have bought the series. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like car payments too, you know, car loans. Um uh, I worked at a dealership and I used to always see this, you know, you go in there, uh they ask you, Okay, what what is what do you want to pay and what you want your your monthly payment to be? And let's say, you know, oh, well, my monthly payment, I want it to be 300 And they're like, oh, okay. And they'll make it work. And before you know it, it's a five-year five loan. So you don't even know that because instead of them putting five years, they're going to put 60 And most people don't even look at that. And I used to work at a dealership, and I used to see that all the time. That I'm like thinking to myself, do they realize that they're going to be having a uh, car loan for five years? No, so, because they're interested in figuring out the monthly payment and not what they're actually yeah. paying for the car. Correct. And that's how, yes, yes, 
I don't know if a lot of car dealerships are going to like me right now, but um, it's just, it's, it's the, the truth. That's how they get it. Instead of saying, how much can you afford on a car? They ask you the monthly, how much can you afford monthly? And they'll work that out. And there are people that are paying for loans that are, you know, five years, six years, and it's crazy because of the interest. Yeah, and not only that, they don't negotiate the price of the car. You should be starting with, I'm going to negotiate the price of the car first, and then after we decided on the price of the car, we can figure out what the monthly payments are going to be. I know, I know, I know. But most people don't. No. And they just, yeah, yeah. And again, it's not being educated. You know, I never knew that before I worked at a dealership. And now I know that they they do that. But it's something if you don't know, if you never worked at a car dealership, you wouldn't know. The average person wouldn't know that. But there are a lot of savvy um, shoppers out there that do, so... Um, another thing you can do is cut down in your utility bills. Now, I know in Massachusetts, I know because I studied this before, um, mm-hmm. I was going to go into, in addition to my real estate business, I was going to add in solar because I was already in front of people in real estate. And I could get it. In most cases, there are some companies will put a brand new roof on your property because they, they won't put a solar panels on an old roof. So you can get a new roof put on your property, and you can get tax incentives and benefits. So it ends up costing you actually net nothing for for, for solar, um, which in turn then generates electricity. And the reason why that is, by the way, is because in Massachusetts, I know it's Massachusetts, they have a mandate of how much money or how much percentage of their electric has to come mm-hmm. from renewable sources. Mm-hmm. It has an incentive for my local TMLP to find people to to become solar customers. So they give you a five thousand dollar credit for, mm-hmm. for switching over to solar. Yeah. Plus, they buy your excess solar energy, so you end up net zero. So you can go from a two hundred fifty dollars a month energy bill to nothing. And sometimes you even you could even make money in the process because you can sell it. Not all solar plans are the same, yeah. but it's something to look into. Yeah. So there's always a way to cut down on on all of these things. Cooking at home rather than going to the restaurant. Yeah, going out to eat and so yeah. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It costs me fifty dollars a week to order two salads and a pizza, mm-hmm. and it costs me thirty dollars every time I order Chinese food. Yeah. And I'm usually the only one who's eating Chinese food. <laughs> yeah yeah i do have enough for, for today and tomorrow but still that's 30 dollars. i can just grab something today um my wife and i were looking at each other like well we're gonna go shopping so what are we gonna eat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we found something in the freezer to, to put together rather than ordering out we could have ordered out but why spend the money yeah and go down to one car or change a car you know Buy a cheaper car, one that's better on gas, buy one that's better on, you know, um, as far as the cost is concerned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be spending all your money on on all these doodads. But again, people want to impress other people. 
And it should never be about other people. It should be about you and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. And are you willing to sacrifice your future for the present? And I don't think most people think about that. No. No. I, I know I I didn't. I really didn't. I I think one thing that really opened up my eyes was um, that game that we played, that cash flow, right? Cash flow 101, yep. Yes, yeah. That really, I don't know what it was, but it made, made me realize I had no plan. I had really no foundation. A, no, a and you thought I was yeah. stealing from you. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. I thought you were stealing from me. I didn't trust you. I'm like, why is he trying to help me out? He's up to something, you know. I'm I'm not going to believe him. And then I ended up broke. So I don't know if it was an aha moment, but it really registered. And it was like, this is a reflection of my life. You know, I don't have financially, I'm really not stable. I really don't have any money. You know, God forbid if anything happened, I really didn't have any savings, you know, and, and that scared me. That really did. And it's that's when I started to ask you questions and ask you, how can I? start saving and creating habits and it's been taking me a while but it's starting to register and it's starting to feel good because I feel like I'm starting to have control of my money and I know where it's going and then and I know how much money I'm spending and it feels good you know once you have that control once you have it organized and you can you can say, wow, I can do this. It's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. You know, I, I know I have more to learn, but at least I started. And so I'm gradually getting more comfortable, you know, and just learning more. And just by reading, you know, I really enjoy Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. That that was great too. And just by reading those books to to teach you. Right, and there are more. There's Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah, yeah. Richest Man in Babylon is one of my favorite books of all time in regards to money. Yeah, that's um, the next book I want to read. Yes, it, it's. I love that book, and it's mm-hmm. done in a story format, so it's not really. It's it's not a chore. Yeah, pretty much like the rich dad poor dad is not really like a textbook. It's more of a fun story. Yeah, it is a fun story, and you know, I was just really intimidated by it. I don't know why, but I knew about the book. You know, I had heard about it, but I was always intimidated by it. And finally, I'm like, I just bought it, and I'm like, oh my god, it's not intimidating at all. It's teaching me the basics of what the school should have taught me or what I, you know, but it's just how things happen. But don't be afraid of, you know, learning how to control your, your finance because if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. 
And The Millionaire Next Door is another great book about, you know, um, what people believe people who have money spend money on. Mm-hmm. What What is it? You know, people think that in order, to, if you're rich, you, you live a certain way, but yeah. that's not true. People mm-hmm. who are truly wealthy don't live above their means. In fact, they live way below their means. Mm-hmm. So they drive a regular car and they wear regular clothes and they have more money than... <laughs> Than you could ever imagine. Yeah, yeah, more money than the person that's driving around in the Mercedes. <laughs> yep. Um, so the next thing you have to do is you have to invest. You have to invest your money. You have to put your money in somewhere that has compounding interest. Um, now I'm going to be talking about in a couple of weeks tax lien certificates. So tax lien certificates are really exciting because you can make sixteen mm-hmm. percent interest on your money, and it's guaranteed by the government. And not only that, you may be able to foreclose on a particular property and get the property back taxes only. So that's really um, going to be a fun subject. Mm. What if you yeah, know, that will be. If you know what you're doing, you can buy some stocks. You can buy some mutual funds. Mm-hmm. You can buy real estate. Now, that's an area where I know a lot about. Uh, as you know, I've, I took $10 out of my pocket in two $5 bills, and I was able to take that $10 and buy a property um, for one hundred thirty-five thousand, which I sold yeah. then for one hundred fifty thousand dollars profit. So th- there's possibilities all over the place, provided you educate yourself about them. Yep, there's opportunity everywhere, but most people are not in tune with the opportunities because their boat is so weak that they can't build a mast. And if you can't build a mast, you can't put out your sails. And if mm-hmm. you can't put out your sails, you can't catch the winds of opportunity that blow every single day. Yeah. They're blowing all around everyone, but they don't catch them. They don't feel them. They don't see them. And they're not equipped to take advantage of them. But with the habit of saving, you can take advantage of them. And the last thing you need to do is you need to invest in your education. Read books, attend seminars, courses, trainings, and and attend investment meetings. So you were talking about um, cash flow. There are cash flow clubs all across the United States. You can go right online and say, type in cash flow club and you can yeah. go to one. And it's a lot of fun. And the benefit of cash flow club is cash flow club teaches you using real life tools. So tools that would actually work in real life in the real world, you can learn to invest. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, you always have to continue learning new skills and surround yourself with people who know how to do things that you don't. Join a mastermind yeah. group. Yeah, that's really important. So in our mastermind, you were, you were able to contact me whenever you, you need something. And yeah. uh, and I can call you and say, hey, Anna, what do you think about this? I mm-hmm. I just put this together. What do you think What do you think about it? You could say yay, nay, and yeah. give me your, your two cents. Yeah. Especially in the, in the clothing store, um, you, would, you would tell me about tank tops. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never been a woman before. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, and I've never worn a, worn a woman's tank top before, so I really don't know what women find flattering or not flattering in a tank top. So yeah, I was able to call you on the phone and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And not only this, what do you think about this design? Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and it's kind of really help each important. other. Yeah, mastermind group is important, and um, yeah, I I call you all the time to ask you 
and for your um, for your help and recommendation and in real estate. And it's important to be around people that are like you and and you know where to turn. You know, sometimes you feel as though you don't know who to ask. And being part of a mastermind group is is really important because you do. And if if you know Ron doesn't know the answer or Antonio or we 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 look it up and we we support each other and and that's so important to have that support group. Especially in times like this right now. It's uh, such crazy times and if you don't have that that support um you can kind of not know where to go. And you can help each other. So I've been helping you and Antonio develop the habit of saving mm-hmm. and just hold you accountable and say, gee, what are you doing now? What are you doing, yeah. what are you doing now? And you and yeah. Antonio have completely different timelines and completely different things you feel comfortable with, but you're both doing it. Yeah. And you're doing it your own pace and you're doing what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's great. Yeah, and that's what's important. It's what works for you and what you can do. You know, you don't have to do exactly what the other person did because sometimes, you know, I like it simple. That's the way I am. I just like things that are very simple, and that's what I create, a simple method for me to to work on. Most people do. Because if it's too complicated, mm-hmm. people might do it at the beginning, but they're not going to last. They're not going to stick no, with it. No, no, I did that. Yeah, I, I did that. I tried a system and it was just too complicated. And I was like, no, this isn't going to work for me. But don't give up either. If it's not working for you, try something else. And that's what I did. I just made it really simple. And I'm like, okay, this is working for me now. So I'm creating a habit and then add on to it, you know, and before you know it, it's a system that it works and you're saving money or whatever area that you're focusing on. To develop a strong habit, you need to do it slowly, but consistently. And it could Mm -hmm. take 21 days at the very least to develop a habit. So you start with one little habit. And let's say today you want to, uh, and here's a good habit to start with. If you want to start saving money, here's something you need to do and see if you can be consistent. Don't do anything else but this. Take whatever cash you have and stick it inside a check register. That's all you do is you take your cash and stick it inside a check register. And every time you spend cash, no matter where you go, mark it as if you just paid a check. And you can track every single dollar you spend for the next 30 days. Now, why are you going to do that? You know, I'm not asking you to spend less, though, if you do this correctly, you will automatically start spending less because you'll become aware of where you're spending your money. Mm-hmm. You'll, be, you'll be aware of every time you go to the store um, to buy gas and you're buying the, the package of candy or you're buying that, that co- Coke. Or, or, or you're buying that coffee. You, you'll be, you know, um, going through the drive-thru or driving along and driving by Dunkin' Donuts and stopping for that coffee. Yeah. 
when you're two minutes from home and you can make some when you get home. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to do it. Um, when I sold insurance, I used to walk around with a, uh, a binder and I used to write every penny down. And she said, what are you doing? I said, mm-hmm. well, I just had breakfast. So I'm writing down what I spent. And compared to everyone else in the place, I spent significantly less. Yeah. Because I was aware of every dollar. And I could tell you to the penny what I had in my wallet. Mm -hmm. So that's a very easy way to get started because you're starting to develop awareness of how you're spending your money. And then you add in how much should you be spending. Mm -hmm. And then you find a way of taking the difference out every single month, whether you put it in a piggy bank or you put it in a, in a folder or you put it in a envelope or you put it in a jar or you put it in your, in your sock drawer. It does not matter. <laughs> yeah. The, the question is, are you, are you developing the habit of saving? Yeah. And as soon as you can get that done, the better because time's ticking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't stop. You're right. That's the one thing we don't have any control of over is time. Mm-hmm. There's infinite amount of money out there, and people think that money is, you know, there's only a finite amount of money. There isn't. But there is a finite amount of time. Yep. So our greatest commodity is time, and we should utilize it to the best of our advantage and get started as soon as we can. And I'd like to thank you, Anna, for being here today. And if people want to get a hold of you again, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is by my cell number, 978-314-3788. Thank you again, Anna, for being here. You can also get in touch with today's guest by visiting the links in the show notes of this episode. And join me next week for Young Living, Essential Wellness for Less. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts or by visiting our website at www.gonefishingpodcast.com. And remember, life is an ocean, a strong boat, your foundation. If you want to succeed, identify a harbor, unfurl your sails, sail outside the drift currents of social expectation, and let's go fishing. You've reached the end of another episode of the Gone Fishing Podcast. Connect with us at www.waypointmastermind.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter to receive our free tools and resources. This podcast has been brought to you by Waypoint Mastermind. Personal growth and support through collaboration with a community of like-minded achievers. See you in the next episode.